You found us. This is Buffs and Blindsides, the unofficial Survivor 44 breakdown podcast. I'm Tim. And I'm Evan. Today, we're here to recap, analyze, and overanalyze episode three of Survivor 44. So if you haven't seen it yet, spoiler alert as always, you can go watch the show on CBS or Paramount Plus or don't watch the show. This might make for an interesting listen if you have no knowledge of the show at all. So let's just get into it. Yeah, what what a great episode is how I'm going to start this. This was by far my favorite episode of the season 44. Um, I don't know if you were quite as high on it as I was. It was just, oh man, we saw tribe life. And although most of it revolved around advantages, not all of it revolved around advantages. And it mm-hmm. was such a nice little break. Yeah, I think it was just like a fairly straightforward, enjoyable episode and not too much advantage stuff or not too much just like crazy garbage that <laughs> we'd become accustomed to at Survivor recently. Yeah, yeah. My, my feelings on this episode were like just a lot of old school vibes, whether it was the episode format itself, the tribal council, which I'm sure we'll get into, or some of the way players were playing. I was just like, wow, we're this is this is a throwback episode almost. For sure. I loved it. I was so here for it. Um, we are recording this on a Friday. The episode aired on a Wednesday. I was sick this week, so I was like souped up on cough syrup when I watched. So I don't have perfect memory of everything. And let me tell you my first note. I don't remember exactly what the context was, but we're going to start with the editors really made me hate Carson again right off the bat in case I <laughs> forgot how much I hated him. Um, I'm trying to remember what he did at the start of the episode that annoyed me so much. And he just talked about how, like, Helen had to go, and then he was just, like, being annoying. Yeah, I was about to ask you if you remember what exactly he did, because you did remind... Like, I was also somewhere else, too. I do not remember much of this episode. So this will make for an interesting podcast. Maybe a chaotic Um, episode. You know, season 44, (laughs) the most chaotic it's ever been. Episode 3, the most chaotic we've ever been. So. But you're right. He did do something that rubbed me the wrong way. He was and... just talking about like how Helen had to go and like how he had to orchestrate this big move to get her out and stuff like that. I shouldn't put words in his mouth in case that's not what happened. But I do remember it was like something about him making this big play, and I, I hate big moves. So oh, it just it was like person I don't like talking about thing I don't like. It was like triangle of hatred. I'm the third like... triangle because I hate myself naturally. <laughs> I feel like we didn't even need that at all because I think it came out on Twitter. Someone was talking about it that he knew that Sarah didn't have a vote. Right. So he, he wasn't going to side with them anyway. Why did he need to clear that up? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's definitely been made clear. I can't remember if it was like through exit interviews or somehow that like Carson knew Sarah did not have her vote. And like, so I agree his play was 100% the correct one. You just go flip with the others, you vote on Helen. It's the logical move. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just feel like we're really trying to like highlight this move as some big deal when it was pretty much the only thing they could do. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a choice. And that's kind of what sucks about the edit and maybe just the, game, the way the game is structured in general, um, that that has to happen uh, where we're losing people that way and then it's left out of the edit because they want to make it seem more complex than it actually is. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably what it is. They're like just trying to make it seem like, oh, there are options and oh, there's intrigue. 
this is probably a very like debatable topic, but I just feel like we could ride with the assumption that like, oh, it doesn't matter if there's that intrigue as to who goes home in the episode. Just show us a little more camp life. That's an episode you can spend more time on advantages and then just wrap things up nice and quick. Like, that's fine with me. How, how would you feel about that? More camp life? <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's all you needed to hear. He's in. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Okay. And then right after that, you know, Sarah goes and it makes music to my ears when she basically says that she doesn't trust Carson at all, but she more or less tells Carson that to his face. And I feel like when you're dealing with like this young, jumpy player who, let's be real, Carson is both young and probably both very jumpy. Um, like, I don't know if that was a smart decision. I don't really think it was like at all. It seems pretty dumb to me to have told him that. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on that one. I I think maybe, do you think she could side with Yam Yam and, uh, who is it, Carolyn? I think she doesn't have the crazy energy to, like, I don't know. I don't want to say deal with them, but, like, I feel like they would stress her out as allies from my read on her, you know? Yeah, but you're also stuck with those people anyway, so... <laughs> For now, you know, who knows? Uh, I mean, it's either that or you're going home, so... Yeah, fair. A lot of of talk this week. Uh, I guess we should get into this about kind of the two-tribe, three-tribe format um, because another woman goes home this week, and that makes, you know, three women going home to start the season. It makes 10 of the 12 first boots from tribes in the new era all women. Um, A lot of talk on Survivor about we need tribe swaps back. We need... Two tribes. What's your solution here, Tim? Well, what are your thoughts on that? I don't have a solution to it. I thought we were going to talk about this later after oh, tribal, we can maybe. Later. We can talk about um, but I just want to say another buffs and blindsides winner pick gone. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, right? It took three more weeks one. to have both of our winner picks eliminated. I at least feel yeah. better, and it seems like these were fairly popular. At least. Claire was definitely a fairly popular winner pick, so it wasn't like we were left in the dark. We just got robbed of a brilliant queen, is how I'm viewing this. Maybe a little bit. Maybe as a character, not as a player. <laughs> yeah, sitting out three challenges in a row does not make for a great player, but, you know. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that, right? What's, what comes next in the episode? Right. Chronologically. Um, let's see. I have Matt and Franny are so freaking cute. Uh, love them. Adorable. <laughs> you know, I hope I get to sit in the backseat of their road trip, right? Oh, just wholesome. Yeah, Claire making fun of them. She had oh. to go right after that happened. <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny, but that's because I also love making fun of nerds. So, you know, I get it. I am a nerd, though. So, okay. Um, and then right after that, they, like, have this Matt and Franny being all cute scene. And then they did Matt super dirty with this herp derp music, well, he finds an <laughs> idol that production created. Why are we, like, making fun of people for trusting a production-created idol with a note that says this is an idol? Like, yeah, how is exactly. he supposed to distinguish that in any way, shape, or form? He doesn't even have a shot at thinking that that might be fake. Yeah, it does feel a little bit dirty to do that. I feel like a better solution would maybe just, like, give them the materials to make a fake idol or something. I I don't know. It's that that does feel dumb that like he has no other reason to believe that it's not a real idol, right? But especially when I think I saw earlier in the season 
the two idols, the, the fake idol is looks similar to the real, real idol, idol for the tribe. other tribe. Yeah, it's like a circle. So, like, the fake idol of green is the real idol for orange. The fake idol for orange is the real idol for purple. Like, yeah, there's just no way they're supposed to know. I don't hate, I think, like, the production made fake idol as much as everyone. I don't like branding these people as idiots with the music, with the, like, sticky <laughs> edit for them finding this and thinking it's real. Like, there, there's just no clown. way they... Yeah, how do you feel about um, Matt getting that idol? How do you yeah, think that's going to play well, out? I would not have told you going into the season that Matt would be one of my favorites, but Matt is absolutely one of my favorites. So I'm very scared for him. But, um, you know, I, I think not having votes, having a fake idol, if he's able to overcome this, it just means he's on a great trajectory for the rest of the season because he's getting all his bad karma out of the way now. Maybe he'll be a generous person and give the fake idol to someone else to use. That would be amazing. As um, long as it's not Franny. Yeah, yeah, that would suck. Accidentally idols out his girlfriend in a way. Um, I mean, know, maybe, that make for... like, maybe he's suffering all this bad karma in game because he's met the love of his life on this island. That would be like a pretty good trade-off, I guess. True. That would make for some good TV if she yet voted out because it was a fake idol or something. Gosh, I would not be like, happy, but it would make for good Ponderosa TV. Thinking that he played her or something. Oh, that's <laughs> a heartbreak. This is like Romeo and Juliet shit. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Jeff, Jeff could not write a better ending. <laughs> yeah, for real. We should suggest this one so they can rig the game with it. Um, you know, because that definitely happens. Uh, I think Danny... You know, as Matt found this fake idol, it was obviously Danny who planted it. Um, I think he has done just so fun. It just everything he does like makes me giggle. Like he's just a player out there having fun. I love players who are just out there having fun. It was Cody last season, Danny this one. It it just is so refreshing in the super fans era, you know? Yeah. I... I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was that was kind of like, he reminded me of someone. And then I was looking at some discussion online. People were like, oh, he's just Tony. <laughs> he's he's the firefighter version of Tony. Just running around, doing some goofy stuff, but also like kind of strategic, playing hard. Um, but yeah, I like him a little bit camera. better. To your point I like him life. a little bit better because he's a firefighter and not a cop. Uh, Fair, very fair. Um, you know, I, I had a different comparison. I did find like a couple like comparisons to old school players. Like I talked about this felt like an old school episode throwback. I've got a wild one for you here. Okay. Like, what the hell? I'm ready. How much crap ready to hear it before you suggest this? Is Danny a new age version of Yao Man? They are I can they're very different people. But like okay. the way they have played the game feels oddly similar to me. Yeah, so I honestly don't have a take on that because the only time I've seen Yao Man was probably Micronesia. Okay. You haven't watched Fiji? I don't. Oh, darn. I mean, or... I might have watched it when it aired, but that was also, like, how many years ago? Yeah, that like was quite 15 a few. Plus, 15 plus years ago. Yeah, no, it was a long time ago, but I'll um, take your word for it, Evan. It was, it was his the way that he went around, you know, like hustling around, moving around. It was that he had a really good 
fake idol thing. Like, so many people, like, play the fake idol, and it's a common strategy, or, like, plant a fake idol. But his felt like a next level, and that was the same thing Yao Man did. Yao Man's fake idol was, like, a very good fake idol play. Um, and, like, he's chaotic, but also a positive contributor to his tribe. His early votes are about keeping the tribe strong. Like, I also see the Tony thing, but there's some similarities between Danny and Yao Man, despite the fact that they are, probably could not be more different as people, both physically and mentally. Yeah, I mean, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All right. But, cool. but the idol play definitely seemed like something, like that seemed like the logical move to do with yeah. that and idol, and he did it skillfully. <laughs> I don't know why they felt the need to give you two notes about the idol, like one real one and one fake one. Like they were really just begging you to like put the fake one back, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, he played obviously it correctly. Obviously for food. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot. You know, parchment so tasty. Mm -hmm. um, don't tell Carolyn that he did that. I mean, she will go digging, right? Okay, so. <laughs> Um, right after this, we get a look at the Orange Tribe and Jamie, and, you know, I bashed on Jamie a lot the first episode, but I gotta say, Tribe Life Jamie, she was very pleasant. I enjoyed hearing about Plant Lady and Plant Daddy. Yeah, that was pretty good. And I then really... Matt, like, going along with it for the whole time, you're like, oh, it's cute, they're, they're like, they're besties, and then Dad's there in the back. Just villain arc right after, he's like, no, I planted that shit, like, I've already been screw her over when I need to, like, she can believe I'm Plant Daddy, but... She's just plant mommy. Like I was like, dang, dude came to play. But the, yeah, that's kind of weird considering that she was probably a strong ally. <laughs> I don't really mind it though. Like even if it is an ally, like she's gonna feel emboldened. That means you've given the idol to someone that a you know when they're gonna play it, right? And mm -hmm. b like you're very in control of their fake idols. So it's almost like okay, once we once our alliance moves on. This is so good. And if you're in a bad spot with your alliance, you just say, hey, by the way, that was a fake idol. I didn't initially tell you, but like, let's go use that to screw someone else now. You know? Like, How would I you feel if your number one ally just told you this? <laughs> like, the, the idol that you're so happy in getting and like, maybe played them for most of the game is not real. Like, you would want to continue working with that person? I think you have to be smart in the way you do it. But I think if Math you goes up to her and says, hey, I was talking to, you know, just blame another random person on your tribe at that point, and they showed me an idol, and they just had a note. Did you get a note in yours? Right? And then when you'd be like, no, I didn't get a note in mine. You'd be like, do you ever think it might be fake? <laughs> Pretending that someone else made it. Yeah, I mean, okay, if it's already by your one thing, why not just compound your lies? I mean, Survivor's the one place where that's, like, not a bad idea. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, uh, uh, I don't know, I just, I kind of like it, doing it to an ally, as weird as that sounds. Like, allies in this game aren't what they used to be, you know? Like, your alliance isn't a thing anymore. You have people at your disposal that you make a voting block with. That's how this game works now. So, putting a fake idol on someone that you're currently close to, you know, three days from now, they might be your biggest target. That's I, fair, and it seems like he... Matthew's kind of with the strategy of like anyone but me. If it's not me, they can go. I don't really it, care. And he seems like someone who's going to be here for a while to me. Like he just seems pretty well liked, I would say. He seems useful to the tribe. So um, I, I think it's a good, like, kind of just thing to have floating out there. It's just a tool in the toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. 
I'd rather know who has the fake idol than plant it and lose track of it. I'll put it that way. That's fair. Um, moving on from that, right after this, obstacle course. Wow. Who saw that coming? It's almost like that's all they can do anymore. Yeah, and it's another puzzle that we've seen before. This one, they at least uh, change it up enough where you can't totally practice it. I do think it was funny. Jeff was like, who's new and practice this one? And then Jamie went and tweeted, yeah, I did practice this one, but my tribe didn't pick me to do it. I don't even know how you like how you what even is the strategy with that I don't know how you get good at that I my guess I haven't like actually worked this out I know um uh, Adam from Millennials versus Gen X he said he had a strategy that he used in Millennials versus Gen X that worked and then this puzzle was repeated at Winners at War which he was also on and when he tried the exact same strategy on Winners at War it didn't work um, and so it is conditional, like, what strategy you use based on, like, what the coloration of the cubes is, which is interesting to me. Um, algorithmically speaking, it is just, like, a graph problem, so it's, like, you're just looking at, you know, different connections. Pretty much my, like, go-to guess would, and I have no clue if this is true or not, um, you would just take the, like, most often repeated colors and make sure those are stacked up. I would also say it's pretty common to probably start with, like, I know there was one block that had, like, four of the same color. So, like, you're going to put a good chunk of those on top and bottom so they're obscured. And then, like, build from there so you know yellow's already taken care of in these three places and you can't have yellow on any of those three sides going forward. I think that's probably your smartest way to build is to, like, start with your limiting factor and work from there. You know? That's an interesting perspective. I still have no clue how to do it. <laughs> okay, Tim, not everyone has to practice survivor puzzles, you know? Okay. Those of us who are true fans, we know you go on the show and get surprised and get voted out after you can't do it. So, <laughs> what else happens this challenge? Anything else besides the puzzle? Because, like, at this point, with the challenges, nothing really matters anymore. No, I literally, my notes for this challenge were, oh, look, an obstacle course and who practiced this puzzle. I did also have a random note in the middle that was saying, will we maybe finally have a jury that's got some balls and can handle getting voted out. I don't remember what comments spurred that. I think it might have actually been something from Camp Life. But um, that would be optimistic, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, I also wrote at the end of this, I piece Matt at the end of the challenge once Green Tribe lost or, or whatever color tribe there. Uh, really glad that didn't happen. I'm glad Matt's still with us, but good on him for surviving that elimination, honestly. I feel like he was like an easy target that they did not take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing with the challenge... Uh, I completely lost my train of thought. I was going to say something about the challenge. Um, oh, how do you feel about like cheating in challenges? Or like looking at the Ooh. other... Yeah, it's a good one. I think it doesn't bother me in some challenges. I don't know why. This one didn't bother me because it seemed like both tribes just wanted to do it. I don't really mind doing it if both tribes feel okay with it. Like Jeff said, I kind of want tribes to make the rules on like what's okay and what's not. And I actually, I think Jeff says a lot of bullshit, but I do like that point of his. And like, you know, let's let the players figure out what's okay and what isn't. Um, and so both both tribes are okay with the cheating idea, which they clearly both were because one tribe thought it and then the other one did it. And the other one followed up immediately after. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't really know how you could like restrict that or... i don't want it like blocked off between the groups or anything like that would take away the vibe a lot 
Yeah, I was kind of thinking like, oh, you have to stay at your station or something. But then the team next to them has an advantage over the other team. They already have an advantage either. Yeah, like, I it did not bother me here. I think the ones where it's like an obstacle course and then you get to like the lockbox combo and if someone forgets to like, you know, back when they didn't used to have the covers for the boxes, like if you run oh, over yeah. else's, that always felt lame that you could like catch up through that. But um, like in a situation like this, it doesn't bother me. So I think it's just kind of situationally dependent. Like, what's the puzzle? Where is this puzzle situated in the greater scope of the challenge? Um, in general, I have a much harder time allowing you to cheat off a puzzle if you can catch up to the person you cheated off of. But like here, Orange Tribe had already won immunity, right? So you, like you couldn't catch them, so I didn't mind them cheating off. Orange mm -hmm. Tribe. Yeah, that makes sense. Anything else about the challenge before we move on to, I guess, pre-tribal? Um. Yeah, I mean, Claire said out a third time. That was that was wild. I was genuinely floored when she thought that was a good idea, or when she said she'd do it. And then she said, "Like it's the tribe's decision." Like, yay for being a team player. If that's actually the case, which I don't. They didn't really make it seem like it was the case when they went back to camp. Yay for being a team player. If that's your mo, but like, at some point you just gotta you gotta say like it's not smart for me to sit out this third time. Yeah. I don't know why she thought that would just go over okay. Yeah, I don't really know, like... Because she seems see, so that close. Just... She seems like she could read people. How can you not tell that that's going to annoy some of the more, you know, older-fashioned people in your tribe, of which there were three? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I guess if you're really making that decision and you really think that you're going to do terrible at whatever challenge, um, going between, like... Deciding between sitting out because you're the weakest person or actually doing the challenge and still being the weakest person and possibly hindering your tribe in some way. That's not really an easy decision. But at the okay, same time, just sitting out every challenge and putting a back on putting a target on your back, basically saying, I am the weakest person of this tribe. Yeah. I'm not even gonna try. There was no way she was going to hold her tribe back in that challenge. Like, the worst thing you are doing is just not helping, but there's no way you are, like, individually holding them back, per se. You know, like, all you got to do is be swimming next to the cube, and no one's really asking questions about whether or not you're getting it done, you know? Yeah, as long as you can... Well, I think it, it was shallow enough that you could walk, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as you can swim. And no one would have called you out at all. This is a really yeah. easy challenge to coast through. If you were like a not good challenge person, you just don't volunteer. Yeah, it's just it's getting to the puzzle yeah. first. Um, but it yeah, really, it, it, not not really a smart want. move. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was not smart. Claire, very entertaining. I think she was probably a very good strategist. Poor social game, which surprised me. Yeah. Um, getting back to camp though, after after Claire decides. To not partake in the challenge. I, I liked the decision to punish her for that. I thought that was, like, honestly, yeah, if you're not willing to grind with us out there, you're not even willing to try one. You know, I get it if you try one and you suck and you say, I should never do that again. Like, then I respect it. But you gotta mm -hmm. do one. You gotta do one. Yeah. Part of the, you talked a little bit about her strategy and social game a little bit. One thing that kind of, like, stuck out to me was she... She was talking to Franny about targeting Matt. Why would that be a move that she would make? Yeah, I that never made sense to me. I'm still I, scratching my head why you would 
approach I someone about wonder, flipping on their number one ally. I'm wondering, I didn't read any of the exit interviews this week, and they might have gone into detail on this. I'm wondering if Franny was trying to downplay her closeness to Matt in conversations with Claire, like, oh yeah, I'm stringing him along, or oh yeah, I'm flirting with him to keep him on my side, something like that. Because I agree, it would just be brain dead of Claire to just go up to Franny and be like, let's get rid of Matt, unless she thought there was a reason Franny would be interested in said deal. You know? Mm-hmm. I guess that um, could make sense. Um, and, and but we the, saw you know, earlier in we saw earlier in the episode that the tribe is clearly on to their showmance or duo, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I wonder if like the editing didn't show it because they want us to be like, oh, Franny and Matt are in love, little nerdies, all cute. <laughs> um, which I totally am every time they're on screen, so mission successful. <laughs> but I, I wondered if that's just why they didn't show us that, because I, I agree. When Claire went up to Franny and was like, yo, how would you feel about Matt? I was like, what are you smoking, boss? What read did what you find consume? Um, or maybe Claire is legit just like socially brain dead in this game. <laughs> That's the other option. Is she was actually just an abysmal social player, and it showed through sitting on every challenge. It showed through trying to target Matt. It showed through her only play of like trying to keep herself alive was ultimately guilting Heidi, who she didn't seem like she tried to make a connection with until that point. I don't know. Something was off. Yeah, I agree with that. Also making fun of Matt and Franny, calling them nerds. And Not good nerds. social game. <laughs> Do you hear their conversations? They are nerds. Love them to death. I'm so glad we get a nerd love story, and I love that we're embracing <laughs> it. But they're nerds. Um, I did write that uh, Danny and Heidi, this is another, like, felt like an old school alliance to me. Like, for some reason, I just felt like two random people who, like, mm-hmm. shouldn't get along, but just do, and they're gonna, like, be buddies until the end for some reason. I got, I just got those vibes right away from that. Yeah, th- definitely. With the, that was one of the great things about old Survivor is just like random combinations of people making alliances. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see that too much anymore. It seems like young people together, old people together, girls alliances, guys alliances. Yeah. Um, I also. Have you ever looked at a tribe and just been like, oh, I would do well on that tribe. Like, that's a tribe that I would understand the social dynamics and play well in. That is me with the green tribe this season. I think I would do very well on that tribe. I would do terribly on the purple tribe. I'd probably be bottom tier on the orange tribe, but not, like, terribly. I think I would do very well on the green tribe, though. I, I never do really think about that. The only thought I have is if I were to play Survivor, I would probably be voted out first. <laughs> no, Tim, you're too agreeable to go first. You're going second. Or maybe I'll just, like, it's either first or last. Like, I'll make it to final as, like, have, like, like an, Owen, an Owen person. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Owen, by the way. Like, Owen's social media is top-tier Survivor social media. I think yeah, Owen and I would just get along really well. I, I just really like him as a person, so... Yeah, he seems like a really chill dude, um, very friendly guy. He, not like a great game, but he is one of the only Survivor players I follow on social media, to be honest. Yeah, same. I follow a lot of them like during their season and unfollow them after because they get annoying pretty quick. But no, I still love Owen. I think Owen played a very like raw game, which I appreciate. Like he just he wore his emotions the way they were. Like he was out there living his moment. I felt like Owen had like a very like wholesome game as a super fan. Sorry. Tangent. Okay. Anyway, back on track. 
Um, Tribal Council, Tim, what do you think of Tribal? Gargoyles. Gargoyles. Plenty of gargoyles. My favorite part was Jeff doing, like, imitating a gargoyle and saying that Tribal is a gargoyle. And then Franny, like, doing some other metaphors about, like, a a merry-go-round or something. That's just all Tribal is at this point. Just, like, people coming up with metaphors, throwing them back at Jeff. Um, Jeff getting sassy with Claire was a highlight. Um, you know, yeah, I'm gonna maybe say that not I, sassy enough. I give tribal a lot of shit. This felt like the first tribal that mattered in a minute. Like Claire at least tried to do some things. We tried to shake stuff up. We tried to make things interesting. We tried to stir the pot. It wasn't just a bunch of poker players holding their hands tight to their chest. This is a better tribal than a lot of the recent ones. So I, I rant about it a lot. I'm gonna give it credit when it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. And this will be re- my second comparison for um, like an old player to a current one. Does Claire give you new age poverty vibes at all? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> There's something about the like lackluster first appearance of a sassy gal who's going to come back and I feel like have a really strong second season. Um. I could definitely see that. Like, feisty in the right way, like, is willing to go at people or work with them, but, like, I think both kind of viewed other players in the game as, like, tools, right? Um, yeah, she, like, she almost has that, like, too good for the rest of the tribe. Yeah, yeah um, I think both Parv and Claire had that. So I saw a comparison there. I felt it during Tribal when, yeah, Jeff was getting all sassy. Um, what a moment. Jeff, Jeff was on some drugs for this Tribal. Gargoyles. Gargoyles, baby. I think you show that picture to someone from like season 10 and they're like, what the fuck has happened to this show? Um, then you tell them it's a 26 day game and they just they laugh and they walk away. Yeah. So right. I how did no the votes how did the votes actually play out? I have no clue. Was it unanimous? It was unanimous. It was everyone for Claire who could vote. Matt couldn't vote. Claire shot in the dark, not safe. Okay, so with how that played out, what was, like, the alternative vote? Like, you definitely see Claire, like, pleading her case, like, okay, let me stay with this tribe for whatever reason. Um, What was the alternative there? Josh was the alternative vote. Okay. Or that's who Claire was targeting, and then I'm presuming who they would have flipped on because it was the only other plan we heard about. Um. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. This green tribe will be interesting if they go to tribal again, which I don't really see. Like, they kept it strong. I don't know. I feel like this tribe will be fine, but, you know, that's probably before they go to tribal council next week. I'd be very curious to see who they vote off next if they vote again. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'd like to see them make it to the merge without voting off anyone else. <laughs> which I'm optimistic about, but at the same time, like, I actually think Matt and Franny were probably the biggest losers this week because, A, like, I don't think Franny wanted to vote out Claire, just to be clear. So really, it was like Matt's decision. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Matt and Franny now have to be like, okay, we are a pair. There's five people on this tribe. The other three are not going to say we need to get rid of these two, right? Yeah. So Yeah, they lost an ally there, um, or potential ally in Claire. We don't know if that was actually like a real thing or not. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it was or not, but I just feel like 
Matt and Franny have put themselves in a bad spot if they have to go to another tribal premiere. Especially with Matt not having a vote for one more. Yeah, that's fair. So that plays out. Claire goes home. What are your thoughts on the three tribes versus two? I think that How does three that tribes play a part? two forces you to play defensive too quick. There's only six people. You just have to like go into turtle mode almost instantly, I think. Um, and I feel like when you have ten players on a tribe, it allows you to be like, who are the annoying people here? Let's just get rid of some of the annoying mother mother efforts, you know? Do you um, think that's actually like a case in in modern Survivor? Like it feels like there's so much kumbaya that like people aren't actually voting that way, right? They're seeing those people as assets. Oh, I can string like I can take this person to the end of me and no one will vote for them. Yeah. No one's really vote like Gabler, Probably. if that was if that was the case with Gabler and like his palm frown thing or whatever, he would have been voted out like very early on. I guess he had his idols, right? Um, yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like when you're in a six person tribe, you have to vote with a lot more self interest right away. You have to say mm-hmm. the first vote is important because the second the first vote happens, then you're down to five, and you have to be in the three. Or you have to feel like you're in a position to be near the three. Yeah, right? that makes you don't sense. Want to be part of the two. I don't really know how that plays into this episode. Um, really that discussion. I think people are think, overrating the effect of a three-person tribe on challenge or on like the gender divide, especially because the data suggests that it's equally likely to have a woman vote at first if you have a two-person tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other ways to address this issue, um, which I think I'm probably going to get hatred for this one, and like people are not going to like this take. But if we're viewing Survivor as a microcosm of society, which is how Jeff Probst likes us to view it, you don't need all of your warriors going to battle every time you go to battle, right? Meaning, when you go to a challenge, maybe you don't need all 10 people from the challenge to participate in every challenge, right? Or mm-hmm. Maybe we should say, choose your best three, and we're going to play this game with your best three. And then it's how effectively can you evaluate talent? How well can someone who's good but not great put aside their ego? It introduces other complexities in a positive way that makes it so... Oh, if I can't perform in a challenge, I'm immediately a liability. I'm immediately voted out. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like altering the challenges in a way where it's not so much physical, even though it, at this point it really isn't that much physical. It's an aspect of it, but it it still comes down to the puzzles. Um, maybe just make a, a challenge that's all puzzle, all brains. Um, yeah, I don't or, know. You know, like we complain about how many balance challenges we get later in the season. Maybe give us a few more obstacle courses later in the season when it's ones, and give us a few more puzzles or a few more balance challenges early when it's tribes. Right? Those are two yeah, different skill sets. That's one thing that kind of annoys me about New Survivor. In in past seasons, we saw like they would build these massive, massive obstacle courses just for like the individual immunity challenge, where they just like run around those things like collecting i don't know sandbags or something yeah that was actually like a kind of cool challenge and it was impressive that they would just build those massive structures now it's just kind of like endurance stuff um yeah so i mean this has been it's not a new take some more variety in the challenges but i agree with what you're saying like it feels like a lot of fans 
are bringing up this um, three versus two tribes thing this week. Um, maybe because they just like Claire as a player and it's another woman going home. I don't really see that as the case. Um, I don't see that as the case at all. Like with this week. I do think there's a problem, right? Why does Survivor have 10 of 12 first boots in the new era being women? There is a problem, right? I'm not trying to make it sound like there's not a problem. Yeah. I just don't think that there's other things I don't like about three tribes, but I'm not going to blame three tribes for that. Mm-hmm. I also just think that, like, again, Survivor mirrors real life. And I saw a, a really good Twitter thread. Is everyone's just going on these crazy rants about how three tribes means that Jeff Probst hates women. Um, I saw a really good thread that was like, you know, Survivor is a mirror of life. And when you set people, you know, when life first formed, like, the group of strong people were immediately the ones who took the reins and drove, you know, drove decision-making for a long time until, you know, we got more technologically advanced and we got more socially advanced and all this stuff. Um, I think that's kind of part of the nature of the beast is when you have these situations where you need to physically compete and put up as a tribe, like, yeah, you are inherently going to prefer the more physical end of it. Like, I don't know. I agree that it's annoying, but I don't think we can necessarily control for that in a way that isn't mm-hmm. what I suggested of not having everyone compete in every challenge, which I think is a fine solution. I think it's the only pragmatic solution I could think of when I was thinking about it. And one thing I thought about recently, too, is that two of our three past winners were women who weren't like, I don't think they were really great challenge competitors at all. We had Marianne, we had Erica, who I don't think were like challenge beasts or anything, or like really carrying their tribes physically. Um, did you see and Erica somehow... smash that hourglass? I did see a lot of people on Twitter saying she's going to come back, smash the hourglass, we're going to bring back those three players. <laughs> from this season come back to i'll never never let go of queen jenny she was gonna win that season <laughs> yeah just bring her back on this season like um i don't know it's like they brought back cochran on the boat <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. cochran and debbie stayed on the boat that was, that was something um i will say that you know kind of while we're on this topic the first boot season was a good joke for a long time I would love a season of pre-merge boots now. I think we've already talked about this once on the pod, but it really just feels extra relevant with what's been talked about in Survivor Socials this week. Let us have a season of pre-merge boots. Let them all come back. They're all, their games are all hidden enough where it's not like, oh, we know exactly what they're going to do, et cetera, et cetera. There just feels like... Survivor used to cast a lot more duds. Let's call it for what it was. There used to be a lot more shitty players. And mm-hmm. now everyone wants to be here. It's part of the super fan era that you just have... Your floor is a lot higher. And the energy and the love people put in this game is a lot higher now than it was, you know, back when they were cast. Half the cast was models that they had to bend to come on the show. <laughs> right? And, yeah. And yeah, I didn't need to see most of those people back because they were literal NPCs, just meant to look sexy in bikinis and, you know, male thongs. But now it does feel like 20, or, you know, we have 18 casters. 18 out of 18 really want to be here. And even if you have the unlucky draw of going out first, do I think Helen is any less deserving than someone who makes the final four coming back? No, no, I do not. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very down with a pre-merge returning season. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And even with like the edits now, showcasing a lot of like people's backgrounds before they go home or reading into the bios and everything. Like, I don't know if 
maybe it's just me as a fan getting more interested in survivor learning more about the players before they're actually like on the show or um being more active in the survivor community online i think just knowing more about those players early on and having casting more interesting people like part of it the diversity is improved casting so much like it really, I feel like Survivor is really highlighted, like just how great diversity is, because it's such a tangible way of looking at it. Survivor's mm-hmm. cast have gotten so much better since they like started casting, you know, more representative populations. Yeah, and it it's gotten to the point where, like, even last season, I felt like okay, every maybe maybe just like even in the all of the forty seasons, it feels like every time someone was going home you felt like you were losing something to the show a little bit. No more. Or losing some entertainment value. But there's probably a few exceptions out there where I'm just like, okay, I kind of hate this person. You can go home. But, like, I do kind of want to see, like, everyone play the game and every like everyone's scenarios and how the strategies and how they actually come to fruition and play out. So you could really bring back anyone from these seasons, and I would be happy. Yeah, completely agree. I think you hit the nail on the head with... Like, I know you complained about earlier how you liked the big game strategy or the big move mm-hmm. strategy, you know, in the first episode. And you talked about how you like kind of seeing a winner's narrative crafted in a very, like, tangible way where you see it throughout episodes. You can kind of yeah. tell who's going to win going into the final one. And I said, mm-hmm. the opposite. I said, I like not knowing. I like random chaos, that kind of deal. Um, I just think that the new age of Survivor has done a lot better job of demonstrating everyone playing the game. And it really felt like even these people who go home, right? Even. Helen or Claire, people who went out second and third, like, I feel like I have a hold on what their goals in this game were going to be and what they were going to try to do. Um, I just yes. think that's something we would not have gotten five seasons ago. You would have said, who, who is this first booth? I actually did an exercise where I looked back at 41 through 44 and see how much of the cast I could remember. And it was everything. <laughs> I, there was, like, one person where I was like, who is that? Um, and it was, like, somebody from mm-hmm. 41, which was, I think, the worst season of the new era for me, so that's probably why I forgot them. But then I did it, I yeah. went back to, like, 38, like, 30, the non-iconic 30 seasons, and it was, like, how many of these people do I remember? And, like, most of the pre-merge people I didn't remember. Like, mm-hmm. we're just getting way more balanced edits now, and it's something I personally... That could also be a recency bias, but... <laughs> That's also very fair. I, I, I do I do agree with you. I do agree with you on that. Like it, it does seem like I'm having a much easier time remembering people from these seasons. And I was watching some of those older seasons at the same time, whatever they had on maybe Netflix or Amazon before everything went to Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. Um when I was like rewatching all those seasons. I'm having a hard time remembering some of those pre merge boots and I'm I'm constantly amazed when people reference someone on Reddit or something or a picture of someone. And I'm just like, who? Who was that person? Yeah. I do not remember this person at all. And then there are fans out there who will like recognize someone who got like first boot, second boot on some random season, and they'll recognize them in public like 20 years later. Yeah, for I real. could not That's do that. Wild. When you're like, I just ran into this person. I'm like, I don't even recognize this person. Then you found out they made it like decently far <laughs> in Panama. And you're like, oh shit, okay. I don't know how you recognize them. They do not look like they did when they were on the show, but okay. Yeah. I guess I saw recently that Shane from Panama was in Babylon. I watched that movie recently. 
I did not Martin. recognize him at all. So. Dude, I love Shane. Shane is like, Shane should never have been on this show, right? Just to be clear, should not have been medically cleared to go on this show. Shane is the high, single highest entertainment value character we will ever have on Survivor. Outside of maybe Coach, but Shane was real. Coach was an act. Shane was 100% just Shane. Uh, have you, you've watched Panama, right? Yeah, that is one of the ones I did watch. Um, and just him and who is the, the woman? Courtney? Oh, my God. Jeff, what even is a poser? You, Courtney. <laughs> you are a poser. Oh, I found it. Something about apartments. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to... I'm going to drive over to your shitty apartment and kill you. My apartment's not shitty. Um, I can't. All right. Love I think it. it's time to wrap it up. I do have just... one last comment for you. Real okay. Long. At Tribal Council, Franny was telling an anecdote and used the word myopically, and it was at that moment that I fell in love with her. So, Matt, watch your back. I'm coming for Franny. That's all. On that note, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Buffs and Blindsides. Thanks for listening. Peace.